The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, September 20th, and today is National Care for Kids Day. Oh, yeah. What about the children? It's also National Punch Day, not for punching people, but probably just for punch bowls. And it's also National Pepperoni Pizza Day, National Fried Rice Day, and, oh, yeah, every kid's favorite, National String Cheese Day. Oh, boy. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And now we are also streaming to Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and Rumble. Is that right, Adam, all four of those? All right, all right. That's, that's what we got cooking right now. If you want to stream into another platform, let us know, and we'll try to figure that out, too. But nonetheless, I'm going to kick it off, the show off today. Uh, Rico's still sick, um, so uh, if you do want to send him some warm wishes, I know he definitely would appreciate it. And Gretchen is out gallivanting on the hill, walking her dogs in atrocious outfits today. But uh, nonetheless, I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off with the, the, the first story of the day. Hope you guys are ready. Oh, boy. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis thinks pot is a menace to society, even though his biggest backer is working to legalize it. Oh, boy. Ron DeSantis is no fan of weed, and the Florida governor recently called recreational pot a real problem, lamented uh, marijuana's stench and grimy warned that uh, and grimly warned that drugs are killing this country he says there's just one hitch the person effectively running DeSantis' presidential campaign is orchestrating a pro-pot push in florida that's right you guys axiom strategies and vanguard field strategies firms helmed by prominent republican strategist jeff rowe have been paid nearly 29 million dollars by an organization pushing a 2024 ballot initiative that would legalize adult use cannabis in the state of florida a desantis aligned attorney general is fighting their work and the governor himself has said he broadly opposes legalization 
But as Axiom and Vanguard try to circumvent DeSantis's opposition to weed in Florida, they're also trying to get him elected president in part on an anti-weed platform, you guys. Axiom and Vanguard have been paid over $25 million by the pro-DeSantis never back down through the end of June, making them the Super PAC's highest paid vendor. Never back down oversees much of the DeSantis campaign, uh, standing up, get out the vote programs, hosting events he appears at, and even providing transportation for the governor. That the... Uh, now, th that the firms have taken on conflicting clients illustrates the peril that comes with how DeSantis has designed his political apparatus, something that has, has increasingly become a topic of discussion within the governor's orbit. Because the campaign and super PAC are legally prohibited from coordinating, DeSantis has had to bet his political future on an outfit whose approach and interests don't always align with his own. There have been growing tensions and finger-pointing in recent weeks between the DeSantis campaign and Never Back Down as the two organizations have grappled with how to improve the governor's standing in a primary where, he pros where his prospects have diminished. And, oh, yes, they have. DeSantis' allies say he was infuriated by the Super PAC's decision to post on Axiom's website a memo offering instructions on the strategy he should adopt in last month's debate. They argue the memo made it harder for DeSantis, DeSantis and boxing him in and setting expectations for his performance. Well, I'll tell you what, that's your job is to perform it when you're the governor and when you're running for president. That's part of the job. But nonetheless, a few weeks later, a recording emerged from a never back down donor briefing in which Roe said that DeSantis had a 60 day window beginning on Labor Day in order to defeat former President Donald Trump and that he had to move ahead of his other GOP rivals. Now, the declaration, some Republicans said, put an arbitrary time frame on when DeSantis would need to surpass Trump, who is leading the governor by wide margins in polling, and I would say in double digits. The conflict between DeSantis and his super PAC uh, team over pot use threatens to complicate the governor's efforts to cast himself as tough on even recreational drugs. If successful, the initiative could also prove to be an embarrassment for the governor, putting him out of step with his own constituents on a hot-button cr crucial issue. During a recent event hosted by Never Back Down, the governor expressed concern that pot had grown increasingly potent in recent years and that it could be laced with fentanyl, potentially endangering children who use it. In a quote, he says, I think it's a real, real problem, and I think it's a lot different than the stuff people were using 30 or 40 years ago. Well, that's for sure, because there's no seeds and stems in it, Governor DeSantis, but nonetheless. And Governor DeSantis also says, and I think when kids get on that, I think it causes a lot of problems. Well, yes, of course it causes problems for kids because they shouldn't be using cannabis unless it's prescribed to them by a doctor. But nonetheless, the Recreational Marijuana in Initiative, which has been funded largely by marijuana giant TrueLeave, is viewed by Florida Democrats as a potential vehicle for reviving their morbid status in the state. Party officials and volunteers have been working to gather signatures for it, but there is no guarantee that it will actually make the ballot. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, a DeSantis ally who has endorsed his White House campaign, has filed a brief with the conservative-leaning state Supreme Court, urging for it to be struck down. And in a quote, they say, we are confident that the Florida Supreme Court will see 
that we followed the law and their guidance in drafting this initiative and reject the last-ditch efforts to prevent Florida voters from making this decision for themselves as the Constitution provides, said a smart and safe Florida spokesperson. Axiom is one of the Republican Party's largest consulting firms and has a long has long taken a wide array of clients. The uh, the breadth of, of its portfolio, those familiar with the firm say, has occasionally resulted in Axiom con- concurrently working for clients who have ideological differences. The firm's work for Florida's pro marijuana initiative began back in 2022, months before it signed on with Never Back Down this past March. And since last year, Axiom and Vanguard have emerged as the largest vendors for Smart and Safe Florida, the outfit that is spearheading the pot initiative, which would allow for adults 21 and over to be able to purchase cannabis for non-medical uses. The firm's combined account for more than 70% of the total amount spent by the group. And in a quote, Axiom is a company with hundreds of employees where it's not uncommon to have different team members working on different projects, said Chris Pack, an Axiom spokesperson. Axiom signed with Safe and Smart Florida back in June of 2022 and never backed down in March of 2023. And these two entities are totally separate from one another, which is why nobody in the media has written about this since it was first reported on months ago. A a spokesperson declined to comment, though they pointed to remarks the governor has made conveying his opposition to the legalization of adult-use cannabis, and the pro-cannabis initiative has turned in a major political fight. Smart and Safe Florida has reported obtaining more than 960,000 signatures, more than the total it needs to qualify for the ballot. But Moody has moved to strike the initiative, arguing that it misleads voters and would financially benefit TrueLeave, the cannabis company that is bankrolling the campaign. The pro-marijuana organization has aggressively pushed back, saying that the attorney general's argument stay, uh, stay, stains crudelity, is what they say. While DeSantis has expressed openness to the use of medical marijuana, he has aggressively established himself as an opposed as opposed to legalization for adult use purposes. And last year, the governor complained about the drug's pungent odor and said he wanted Floridians to be able to breathe freely. DeSantis has signed legislation tightening restrictions on advertising that would promote adult use cannabis use. And and while uh, campaigning earlier this year, the governor said he would not decriminalize marijuana if elected president and that the drug hurts our workforce readiness and people's ability to prosper. Well, this just sounds like a whole bunch of reefer madness, but I want to hear what you guys have to say about good old meatball Ron. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think about this? Ron's got to, he's got to go to the right of Donald Trump. And this sounds like the first attempt to go to the right of Donald Trump. And cater to the religious right. Mm-hmm. And the religious right just keeps beating that drum of, oh, the children is going to ruin society. You know, throwing people in jail doesn't do a, a great deal for society either. And he, he's going to pander to this base during the, the primaries, but he's never going to be you know, on the ticket as the, the primary candidate for president for Republican Party because people just don't fucking like him. Hey, I, I, you know? I, I agree with you on that, Dale. I don't think he has a chance of earning the Republican nomination at this point with all of the missteps that the campaign has done and all, and all of his positions on cannabis and, and his positions on a few other issues and the lack of popularity and enthusiasm that people are seeing around his camp. 
Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the drumbeat of the religious right. Um, and he's going to go out there and dance to it as long as he thinks it's going to get him sore in the primaries. But people are boxing themselves in for a general election. They're going to play this shit back in the general election. And, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to have to own what you said and did. Yep. Exactly. And uh, Jay, I would be careful uh, predicting the Republican nominee in September of 23. The Republican uh, nominee is going to end up being President Donald Trump. Well, that remains yeah. to be seen. Um, what I, what I think is equally yet, interesting, <laughs> what I think is equally interesting, though, here is that uh, it sounds like Ron DeSantos is getting all of his cannabis information from like maybe like a 1980 or 84 dare book i'm not sure like uh like none of it was based in science it was all like old stoner like mm -hmm. folklore and shit like that like i don't know ron look tap in with us if you want some like really educated uh knowledge and and lacing up on what this plant can do what it can do for your state what it can do for taxes what it can do for your senior citizen population tap in with us um, I personally think that if Ron listened to his strategy, his axiom and his strategic partners over at the PAC and did what they're doing, um, I think he would be a more viable general election candidate for mm -hmm. real. Like right now, Ron is like putting himself into this box that is going to make him like very unelectable, even on the even on the Republican side. So I feel like. Hey, look, listen to maybe maybe the people who are uh, that super PAC that's paying those big dollars. Maybe they're onto something there, Ron. Maybe you should listen to them. You might have a chance against some of your your counterparts. It would be a small one. Yeah, I'm, might be a chance. I, I I think Ron has taken a lot of his uh, talking points in regards to this from the uh, from the Siegel family who who lost a child and they 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 are similar in the in the space as the um, uh, 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 Adelson family. Sheldon Adelson's family because and they both lost kids to to other drugs, but definitely blame cannabis as the gateway drug that allowed that to happen. And listen, I, I get it. Like when parents go through these really tough times like that, I, my heart and prayers go out to the, uh, any parent that loses a child to any kind of drug uh, overdose. However, that has nothing to do with the cannabis plant. That's that that would be like me saying like my my brother got killed by a drunk driver and now i'm attacking like lemonade stores or something like it just it, there's no attacking correlation liquor stores there. right attacking liquor stores basically now yeah mm -hmm. like it just there's no correlation there so um listen like again my hearts go out to them but that those aren't the right people to get all your talking points from not saying that they don't deserve a seat at the table as a stakeholder in the war on drugs absolutely their voice should be heard. However, there should be other stakeholders to balance out those those voices at the table of people who have been impacted by cannabis prohibition, people who benefit from cannabis, and not just some of like the this like oh I heard it's it smells bad. I heard we can't breathe because of it. I heard mm -hmm. like it's just nonsense. It's, Come on. I know. I I find it ridiculous that he's throwing the fentanyl argument in in a lot of his comments in regards to this because it's just not reality. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. The fentanyl argument is played out because if anybody's lacing anything with fentanyl, why pick weed? You can literally lace anything with fentanyl. Why is well, weed being singled out as like this culprit? I don't think hurting can, people with fentanyl. I, I, I don't understand. I don't think you can really like uh, like 
put fentanyl in weed in in the sense of like how you would do it with other drugs, how you would mix it in. Like I, I just I, I just don't exactly I, I just don't see how that even makes sense. Does anyone have any idea how much it would cost to lace ace of weed with fentanyl? They would not still be able to sell it to you for twenty five dollars an eight. Well, first Trust of all, me. well, first of all, Luke, they would only be selling pre rolls if that was even the case in the first place, because <laughs> you know what I mean. You're not you're not going to go yes. and buy some big old dusty bag of weed. <laughs> Just saying. Well, fentanyl's the hobgoblin everyone wants to turn to, mm-hmm. and the number one entryway drug for everybody's alcohol so just fucking stop it you know weeds way way down the line and it won't kill you and your kids know about it because they're pinching your fucking bags right now it's just nonsense oh that's right they're pinching the bag that you're so right on that dale we are going to keep it keep it keep it rolling do we have a commercial adam all right we have a commercial we're going to go to that commercial and be right back Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown. Oh, yes. Coming up next, we have Mr. Luke Scarmazzo, who, that's right, is a convicted felon that didn't do no telling. That's right. It is none other than the Mr. Luke Scarmazzo. Yes, yes. Uh man, I love that intro, man. I might have to we might have to uh copyright that. Yeah, bro. That's that. that's that's a that's I'm telling you, bro, that's some bars right there. That's some bars right there. I'll give you that. JB on the mic. Uh so yeah, today, man, you know how it is. You're you're visiting with your neighborhood outlaw correspondent at can at uh, Hyatt Nine News. We're covering the cannabis stories that have to do with crime and punishment, law and order, justice prohibition people being locked up yeah the war on drugs the war on cannabis is still going on it's still raging hard i know some of us out here on the beach in california puffing purple passion we we don't remember the days but i'll hear i'm here to remind us until they're not here anymore so this one's coming to us out of korea interesting story here we have group of 17 u.s soldiers arrested for smuggling in synthetic marijuana to a korean army camp A group of 17 U.S. soldiers have been arrested for smuggling synthetic synthetic cannabis into a U.S. Army camp in South Korea. The police in the Gyeonggi province have arrested 22 people, including 17 U.S. soldiers, on charges of violating the Narcotics Control Act. The soldiers have been accused of smuggling synthetic marijuana using military mail the U.S. mainland and sending it to soldiers stationed at Camp Humphreys. Among the 22 su- su- suspects arrested, 17 were U.S. soldiers, four Koreans, and one Filipino national. They are suspected of smuggling into the country, distributing, buying, and smoking synthetic marijuana between February and May of last year. Local police were tipped off by, by the U.S. Army Criminal Investigations Divisions last April and carried out four search warrants and, 
and seizures on two military camps between May and August, handing the cases over to prosecution one by one. The police confiscated $12,850 in proceeds, 4,300 4, milliliters of mixed liquid. I'm not really sure what that is, like an illegal mixed liquid or they just had a bottle of water, I don't know. And 27 electronic cigarette devices that the suspects had at the time. In addition, 80 milliliters of synthetic marijuana worth $1.76 million worth one was also secured at the scene as evidence. The arrested U.S. soldiers will be dealt with through the domestic investigation and trial in accordance with the statute of forces of arms statute of forces agreement a police official said the distributed synthetic marijuana was brought in through the u.s military mail so there is a risk that the military mail could be used as a drug supply chain we will continue to cooperate with cid in the future to investigate the u.s military that handled domestic synthetic marijuana we will continue he said Mira has contacted the U.S. Army Criminals Investigation D Division for more information. Camp Humphreys is located in the west coast of Korea, and it is dubbed the Army's home in Korea. So we got a lot of things going on right here. Um, I'm familiar with the synthetic marijuana or what they call synthetic marijuana. K2, the spice, like the in prison, there was a lot of a lot of that going on. A lot of the same pathways, they, they're having problems with it coming in through the mail and yada, yada, yada. Um, let me let me just say this right off the get. It is, not, it is not synthetic marijuana. It is nothing like synthetic marijuana. If you look at somebody who is under the effects of this so-called synthetic marijuana, they almost look like a zombie standing over like the side of like a counter or something in the most contorted way, like literally like sleeping on their feet. Um, it's, it's really sad. Um, I don't know, like people don't even know what's in some of these research chemicals that they're calling synthetic marijuana. Please stay away from it. They, please, if you're going to use any type of cannabis, I, I use a, a tested product that's coming out of a store that's legal, that you know, is going to be safe. I know like it's appetite or it's appealing to use some synthetic marijuanas when people have to use drug tests for jobs and probation and these other type of things, but it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. And it's not real. You're not getting any marijuana effects on that. Um, I think this is like, like the, the U S army is just getting a little bleed over from what was going on in some of our other facilities. Um, I'd hate to be, see any soldiers that were on, on the stuff that I saw. Um, it would be really scary. Um, so, I mean, I'm with like, listen, if you can smoke regular cannabis and still perform your duties, not high, not high and perform your duties, but smoke cannabis off duty and still be able to perform and be responsible. Um, I think the U.S. military is a merit based organization and it still should be even with the use of cannabis as they let people use cigarettes and they let people use alcohol. Um, so I'm interested to, to know what what my other correspondents have to say on this. I'll bounce it back to you guys. U.S. Army caught smuggling, quote, synthetic marijuana into a Korean camp. Well, they, they typically have a status of forces agreement, as you mentioned, Luke. How does the local jurisdiction of the military deal with problems like this, where someone's violating international uh, import and export laws and the local jurisdiction's laws of bringing the stuff in? Um, so these, these guys are liable to be prosecuted under Korean law. 
And people just don't really understand that just because you can have weed in the United States doesn't mean you can have it anyplace else. And you're liable to get spanked really hard for bringing anything that's a cannabinoid, synthetic or not, into these countries. They're really hard on it. And synthetic, you're right. Luke, when I was in Halfway House, they were smoking this shit all around me. Scary. It stunk crazy. And they were just, you know, on the floor curled up, couldn't even grab their ass with both hands. It's hard to watch that stuff. That stuff is scary. I don't even know what it is. Synthetic, what does that mean? Is this one of the um, Delta 8s I mean, or, yeah. or, you know, or... Yeah, THCO or whatever. De- Delta eight is definitely a synthetic uh, cannabinoid. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, uh, I I don't want any any of the audience to get confused on this, like as if this is um, you know some of the isolated compounds of cannabis or something like that. What they're spraying on things in the mail and stuff. I don't want to get too detailed on the processes that they do that they handle for this, but what they're introducing on the mail is not a THC or cannabis derivative. Uh, um, um, molecule base. What you're seeing is like basically um, some Chinese research chemicals. That's what you're smoking. Smoking some stuff that they came to in in a lab over in China. They're dipping sheets of paper in them and they're they're smoking the paper. And like Dale said, it's like really sad when you see people that are under the influence of it. They're like literally like curled up zombies drooling on themselves. Um, you know, there's different levels to it, of course, but, you know, the heavier uses, it's just, it's really sad. It's really sad. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with what, what, what Guap says. He's like, synthetic cannabis is not cannabis. That's why it's called synthetic cannabis. Just like Marinol is synthetic THC, it's not real THC, all the same thing. These synthetic drugs are very, very interesting. And uh, one, one other cool little funny point that... Uh, that Malik threw up in there. He says Miley Cyrus's flower song is about her addiction to spice, not her breakup from her husband. Just a theory. <laughs> I mean, listen, I saw guys literally like sell everything in their locker. They would have they would have they wouldn't even have a bar of soap to, to go to the shower in. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how addicting that so-called synthetic marijuana was. But I mean, I, I'm telling you, it was like crazy scary. Yeah, I, I had a friend. I had a friend that, that tried some of that stuff one time, a spice. They and we were, had watched a couple of videos, and these people just passed out. And I'm like, what, what, what makes people want to even do this in the first place? And my buddy did it. He was like, oh my god, bro, that was probably the worst experience of my life. I would never touch that with a ten foot pole again in my life. So, I encourage you all to stay away from spice. K2, whatever it is, all of that stuff. Stay away from this crazy stuff that people are just trying to hawk on you. You know what I mean? Go and buy some real Just to be an overall philosophy in general, a lot of what is sold at stores is synthetic. It's it's chemicals Mm -hmm. claiming to be food. Yep. Very, very true. Very, very true. That's why everyone spends so much money at Whole Paycheck, Andy. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep this train keep this train rolling so we can get through all of these stories today. Hope you guys are in, ready for this. This is kind of interesting. I thought Square enters Canada's cannabis industry with a partnership with that's right, you guys, Jane's Technologies. 
Financial services platform Square has entered Canada's cannabis market in partnership with online ordering platform service for cannabis dispensaries, Jane Technologies. The partnership involves Jane enabling cannabis dispensaries to use Square to supplement their brick-and-mortar business with an online store, allowing customers to browse through an updated product list and place orders for either pickup or delivery. <coughs> Excuse me. This, this marks a significant advancement in the joint effort of the two companies to develop improved business solutions for the adult use cannabis sector in Canada. It's worth noting that the partnership will start only with authorized cannabis sellers in Ontario and is expected to expand to all Canadian territories. The adult use market in Canada generated $3.5 billion in sales last year, according to Statistics Canada, and forecasts suggest that it will continue to grow. Uh, Socrates Rosenfeld, CEO of Jane Technologies, explained that this partnership with Square allows Jane to leverage its eight years of experience in the cannabis industry. Jane has built a universal product catalog for cannabis featuring nearly $2 million stock keeping units complete with standardized photos, descriptions, serving sizes, brand details, uh, taximony, and more. In a quote, what dispensaries will get is if they use Square's point of sale through Jane, they will have complete real-time integration, full content, millions of SKUs, uh, stock, uh, stock keeping units, all the reviews, and all the photos automatically generated due to the partnership between Jane and Square. Therefore, no manual entry is required, he added. From the consumer's perspective, individuals can now browse cannabis products online, knowing that each product is identified and currently available at the respective store. Uh, Roshan Juhong, head of, of retail at Square, explained that the company recognized that Canadian cannabis retailers share common needs with other businesses regarding integrated omni-channel solutions. Cannabis sellers often face limited options, on, and Square saw the opportunity to assist them by offering dependable and integrated commerce tools to meet their requirements. In a quote, we both have this common goal of making sure that brick-and-mortar sellers have access to best-in-class tooling. In the case here, it was Jane's offer of digital tooling to complement what Square already has in terms of a powerful ecosystem for brick and mortar. The combined offering allows cannabis dispensaries using Square in Ontario to enhance their traditional brick and mortar businesses with an online store. Our collective focus is to ensure we provide a compelling omni-channel experience to the customers of these sellers, he said. Rosenfeld explained that the partnership with Square is a sign of the cannabis industry maturing in Canada. And in a quote, they say, you would have never thought of Square to move into this cannabis space five years ago. But now Square is taking a bold step in this space. The partnership with Jane stands as a testament to our accomplishments. We are thrilled to collaborate with Square and expand access to cannabis and create a fair digital ecosystem for generations of users and sellers, he said. When asked if similar partnerships could be replicated in the United States, Juha uh, explained that federal cannabis regulations restrict companies like Square from offering payment options, thereby limiting their ability to provide a comprehensive solution. In contrast, Canada, which has federally legalized cannabis, enables companies to provide such offers. And they say, in a quote, we'll expand to other provinces as regulators permit, prioritizing compliance 
and peace of mind for sellers. Our partnership with Jane emphasizes simplicity, convenience, and accessibility for both buyers and sellers. We're committed to delivering a seamless, omni-channel retail experience, combining in-store and online sales, and Jane's expertise in the online component of retail aligns with this vision and will continue to enhance our offerings, he said. Um, and that's pretty much a lot of the story, you guys, about Jane and Square. And man, oh man, oh man, oh, and one more thing. Rosenfeld explained that Jane Technologies offers two significant improvements for consumers. First, it eliminates the hassle of outdated information by ensuring that every cannabis product you view online is currently in stock and at the store, serving you the saving you the inconvenience of making fruitless trips. And second, it introduces a product-centric approach akin to Amazon, allowing you to search for specific products, compare prices, and read reviews, revolutionizing the cannabis shopping experience. And therefore, the partnership between Jane and Square aims to streamline cannabis sales and enhance the shopping experience. Well, 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 I'll tell you what. You know what this this story isn't doing? It may be helping Canadians purchase cannabis in a more easily fashion, but I'll tell you what it's not doing. It's not improving any of the quality of the Canadian booth products. Hell no. Listen, wake me up when swiping a credit card to buy a cannabis product is not newsworthy. Like, mm -hmm. what? Why are we, why is this still like news? Like, oh, wow, look up in Canada, I get to use my debit card to buy cannabis. Like, how newsworthy is this? Yeah. And, uh, like, you know, in, in regards to this, the unfolding of the industry, it's like the story has to be retold in a different way and a different article. Mm -hmm. Hey, I mean, this is, this is cool for our customers in Canada. Yep. Right. Um, I don't know that anyone in the U.S. who gets to be in the decision-making seats gives a shit, but um, <laughs> it's just more proof and evidence that we are losing out here on a lot of opportunities. Um, I might have missed this in the article, Jason. Does it say how much Square takes per transaction? Um, it did not mention that, um, Mandy. It does not. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, let's see. No, it does not. It does not mention... Uh, there's not mention cannabis no. high high percentage it what well, one thing it does uh mention uh though as far as numbers and you may find this interesting it says uh following canada's legalization of adult use cannabis in 2018 legal cannabis dispensaries have emerged as the predominant source for purchasing cannabis among those who have used it in the past 12 months with a percentage increase from 53 percent in 2021 to 61 percent in contrast, only 2% reported making cannabis purchases from illegal websites and 1% from illegal dispensaries and 1% from street dealers. Seems like the next logical step that we can figure out the stupid-ass banking problems in the United States. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Because right now, you can, you know, Weed Maps will let you know where stuff is and who you can get it from. You just can't pay through that platform, which creates a lot of problems. And in California, you're required to have a receipt. So you can't just drop something at somebody's door. You've got to have the receipt that shows it was delivered and received. Mm -hmm. So there are some other kinks, but you know, we continue to have the problem with banking. 280E is a mess. And you know, my clients that are doing anything online, just you can't complete the circle with paying for it online. And that just creates problems. 
Yeah, and you know, in, in regards, uh, Mandy, with your mentioning on the on the payment solutions, uh, we we just put up a video. I interviewed uh, Aubrey Amatelli of PayRio, which is an online uh, payment solution provider. Go ahead and check that out if you want to learn more about payment solutions and hit up PayRio and tell them that Hyatt Nine News sent you. Yeah, big up to Aubrey and over at PayRio. I love what they're doing. I love how they jumped out there into a space. Aubrey's a beast woman leader in this space. Um, I love, I love seeing that. So yeah, go check out PayRio if you want to. You use them over Square. Square is squares. Yeah, you can use PayRio. Use PayRio and make sure you tell them that Hyatt Nine News sent you. Yes, yes, yes. Any other thoughts on this, Dale? Uh, it's you know we're all frustrated. It's like we keep talking about the same stupid ass shit every week, every month. We got to fix our central issues. Canada made cannabis legal. Mm -hmm. The United States needs to do that. And we're going to be going into a campaign season that this is going to be the redheaded stepchild of whoever's you know, out there running because we're still cast as we're going to ruin your children. Oh, my God, they're going to find fentanyl. Your kids are going to see a weed map, advertise something. You just sit down and shut the fuck up. This mm -hmm. is not the biggest problem you have in the world. Agreed. You know, that's I couldn't agree. That's with just you. frustrating. As a matter of fact, it's a huge solution to a lot of the problems in the world. Yep. And on that note, yep. And I do, I do want to uh, congratulate uh, Socrates on on this deal with with Square. Um, I, I've known Socrates since he came into the cannabis space with iHeart Jane, and so I do want to congratulate him on this deal and, uh, and and good job and much success with all of that. And hopefully, once we get safe banking passed, then we can have a similar solution here. But nonetheless, we're going to go to a commercial break and we're going to be right back. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 rpms it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date the control tower from highly educated all right stop whatever you're doing make sure you hit that like button i know youtube really appreciates it appreciates it and so you know we will really appreciate it also to make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't subscribed already and you can read all the articles and engage with us on our website at www.hyatt9news.com make sure you check it out and source your information from there share your stories all the fun stuff all of that you're How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yes. Coming up next, it's Mr. Dale Schaefer. He's an attorney, everyone's favorite pissy uncle, and the founder of our model law practice. That's right. It is none other than the Mr. Dale Schaefer. Hi. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, Luke and I have told a couple war stories about being in prison here this morning, in Special K. But my, my story comes out of Law 360. And the headline is pot billboard ban and labor deals are pitched to the Massachusetts lawmakers. Apparently rolled out 
dozen or so bills and sent them out for public comment. A couple of them caught my attention because we've been having some problems out here in California with some similar nonsense. Um, billboard ban. We've, we've got a, uh, a bill in for the governor out here. Mandy, I think, has been involved in screaming and yelling about this where you can't you can't put a human being or a fruit on advertising because for God's sakes, the kids, oh, the kids are going to see this and they're going to go out and, you know, start shooting up um, weed. You know, it's like fucking nonsense. They're trying to roll something like that out in Massachusetts with a billboard ban that um, they don't want kids seeing any advertisements for weed on billboards. Okay. It's going to ruin them. It's going to make them, you know, cannabis addicts or whatever bullshit that is. California allows advertising on billboards, but it can't be on an interstate highway. We've got some of these same issues out here. And it just seems nonsensical that you can have advertisements on the highway for everything, including pharmaceutical drugs, alcohol. But if you've got something that talks about cannabis in a dispensary, oh my God, your kids are going to you know, turn into instant addicts. It's just nonsense, but it keeps being rolled out in different places. And I hope someone has a comment about this that it supports the industry. They had a group of physicians come out and talk in favor of this. And it, it's just mind boggling. The physicians who I don't think know shit about cannabinoids talking about how it's going to be bad for our children. You know, that, that old trope's getting real old. Is like I like to say, your kids are pinching your weed right now. You don't think they don't know about weed? Just grow up a little bit. And the other issue they pitched is labor peace agreements. Now, we have these in California. If you've got 20 employees or more, you're trying to lower it to 10. If you've got 20 employees or more, you've got to sign a labor peace agreement with a union. And Massachusetts trying to roll this out. And what we found here in California is that some organizations that, you know, with a straight face, you can't say you're a union, but they're signing these labor peace agreements and they're basically worthless documents because they don't mean anything. You're trying to be in favor of the working person. And um, I don't have a problem promoting organized labor in the industry, but when you're too small, it's hard because you can't afford uh, the cost of labor that are gonna be imposed on you as you're a small startup. And for the long run, I'm in favor of, of um, giving labor in these um, industries some place at the table to get parts of the profits here and to get a better deal. But we're going to have a war coming up over labor um, because the, right now the UAW is on strike. We've got all the writers and screen actors out in California on strike. The public supports it. But when you're trying to run a business in an industry that's overregulated and overtaxed, it's a difficult one. My clients and I struggle with this because my grandpa was a teamster. I'm really in favor of organized labor. But if you're a small business and your margins are small, it is difficult to be strapped with um, some of the burdens of organized labor for small businesses. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying it's a reality. And at some point, we've got to find a way to talk about this without offending everybody and give working people uh, a better place in these industries that are going to make money once the government gets their heavy hand off it and lets people run these things. So that's my story for the day. Throw it back at you. What do you guys all think? Man, Dale, I mean, the reality is, is if they're not going to allow for billboards, okay, that's not like that is really going to stop people from getting 
they're getting kids getting their hands on cannabis. It all starts with the parent, and parents need to focus on parenting instead of worrying about taking down billboards. Well, there's too many people that want the government to step in and protect little Johnny and little Susie yeah, they so mommy and daddy state. can have their head up their ass and not pay attention to being parents. Government's mm -hmm. job is not to raise your parents or to protect them from all the things out there that might hurt them. That's a parent's job. We've got too much government intervention right now, and this is just more overreach. Your kids will be just fine if they see a pot leaf on a billboard as you're driving down the highway. Mm -hmm. Give me a fucking break. Exactly. Uh, it's no different than having a conversation about alcohol or tobacco with your kids. It's no different. It's, it's no different than talking about why they don't open a bottle of aspirin and eat it. You know, these are common sense conversations that any mature adult should be able to have with anyone. Especially, especially your children. Exactly, Dale. And well, and see, I have five and we used to have family meetings all the time. Anybody could call them. You got a problem. Let's talk about it. We had a lot of interactions with my kids about drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, stupid fucking adults fighting over shit. I mean, this is stuff that parents should have a dialogue with their children about and have honest dialogues because drugs and alcohol are part of their life. They're not going away. I don't encourage them to use them, but they know about them already and they should have a source of good, honest information starting at home. If parents are fucking Neanderthals and don't know about it, there should be a place that kids can go to and get honest science-based um, answers to things and not be afraid your kids are going to hear something and their head's going to explode for god's sakes just stop kids are resilient yeah and just to piggyback off of what i said a, a second ago if you are one of those parents who has a hard time covering the hard topics with your kids guess what now more than ever there's a book on everything that is age appropriate that you can go buy on amazon and have it shipped to your child and say here read and then ask the big questions <laughs> I know at the very least do that i know there's one book that's uh for for younger children and it's called it's just a plant and i feel that that book explains it so well at a baseline uh natural level of it's just being a plant um and to to, to younger children i'd say anywhere from like three to eight years old um i, I would highly 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 recommend that book well, my experience in raising kids, and if you lie to them, if you're not honest to them about drugs and alcohol, when they find out you've lied to them, now you're never going to be able to have an honest discussion with them because now, I mean, we were lied to about acid when I was in, in high school in the 1960s. And once we found out that nobody jumped off buildings, your kids didn't have three arms and, you know, two sets of lips and shit, we thought, you guys are lying to us about everything. And of course they were. And then you're never going to listen to the truth from the government yeah. because they've lied to you or your parents have lied to you or the schools lied to you. You got to stop this. Your kids can handle the truth for God's sakes. Exactly. And, and for all the parents that want to say that they don't want to lie to their kids, every time they tell them about the Easter bunny, the tooth fairy or Santa Claus, they're definitely are lying to their children. There's an there's an old uh, Chinese proverb that says, if you blindfold your children, they will run into brick walls. Uh, mm -hmm. right. so you should sit your sit your children down and have these conversations with them as Mandy, Dale and Jay, Jay all alluded to like, yes, these are difficult conversations. These are difficult conversations that are necessary as a parent. Being a parent is difficult. Being a parent puts you in difficult situations, especially with your children. You have to be able to, to, to insert 
your values and your morals and guidance into your children. Because guess what? If you do not, somebody else like TikTok or yep. somebody else at school will. Or some teacher, somebody. Yeah, or some teacher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like uh, I, the whole thing about, oh, we can't put stuff on billboards, like, or we can't do these certain type of advertisements or, you know, the vote no on AB 1207, um, which makes it where you can't have fruit and people like lifestyle poses of, with product and stuff like that. It's just so, it's so foolish. It's such an old conservative Puritan mentality that like for somehow, like if we see this image, we're going to be infected with the, the mm -hmm. devil and want to go out and commit this sin or something like that. Like and miss me with that. Like you have to do things in this industry we have to normalize advertisement we have to normalize marketing and of course we don't do it in a way that is geared toward children we know you know when an advertisement is geared towards a child or not I, mm -hmm. everybody that has half a brain can look at it uh, in any advertisement and say oh yeah that's obviously geared towards somebody who watches pokemon or something and then, and then you can look at another billboard and say look that's a that's a informational billboard about cannabis or where i can get cannabis Period. Very mm -hmm. easy. Very, very, very yes. true. My kids were always open to the truth. They didn't always like it. Okay? But mom was a physician. So it's like, do we talk about science? You're damn right we do. And what does cannabis or any other drug or any other synthetic pharmaceutical do to you? And sex. I mean, these are the things you need to be talking to your kids about, honestly, and not delegate it to the schools and then be pissed off because the schools try to teach it. And a couple of knucklehead parents go, oh, my kid can't hear that. Well, then fucking teach them. Mm -hmm. Stop making society be responsible for teaching your kids shit that you should be teaching. It's, it's very infuriating. We don't want the government in our business, but then we want to give everything to the government to do can't have it both ways yeah it's and I, dumb and and i like i like what willie said uh willie from vermont vermont alternative he says uh strip clubs have billboards dale oh yeah well i yes. like naked ladies and my kids and i have talked about it okay it's like this is out there when when you when you're a teenage boy and you see a girl wiggling her butt at you what are you going to do well let's talk about you know sex Mm -hmm. My kids were not, we didn't wait until they came to me and asked questions. We educated them all along as they were able to understand it, how human beings are in reality. Because we're nasty, we're loving, we're dangerous, we're caring. I mean, we are the craziest fucking animals on this planet. And you can't pretend with your kids that, oh, everybody out there is going to like you and be a nice person. No, they're not. Support. The realities of life are the human beings are the most wonderful and most dangerous creatures on this planet. Deal with it. Support single moms, right, Dale? Single moms, right? Single. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been a All single right. dad before, so I support that. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. And on that, we got to keep it. We got to keep it moving. And in the sake of time, we are going to roll right back over to Luke with a second story. And oh man, is this a doozy! I can't wait for you guys to hear this. You hear this, Luke? Yeah, this is All a right. good one right here. You guys are going to like this one. We're going back into the trap. We're going back into probation all the way from yesterday again. Um, and we're, we just got this theme going on right now, right? We got this like Florida theme. Jay's over there in Florida. We had the, la the other story from Florida. We're talking about Rhonda Santos. This one comes to you from Naples, Florida. And uh, this, is, this is a tough one right here. Uh, Headline reads, Naples families felt blindsided by lengthy marijuana sentence. 
the Sanchez family feels misrepresented by their lawyer. When Michelle Sanchez heard her husband, husband's prison sentence read in court, her whole, her whole world fell apart. Me and my husband just looked at each other and said, how did we get here? I felt like everything was one bad dream. Her husband and her high school, her husband and high school sweetheart, sweet Stephen Sanchez, 56, will spend ne nearly two and a half years in the state prison after a jury convicted him September 6th for possession of more than 20 grams of cannabis, the state attorney's office said. The police department arrested Stephen June 20th after they pulled him over for speeding. Stephen told the officer that he had marijuana and he was arrested. The officer described him as very polite in the arrest record. Uh, he was so polite that you still had to arrest him 20 grams of weed and give him prison. But we'll, we'll get back to that. An original plea deal offered Stephen 10 months in jail or 33 months probation, Mich Michelle said. Everyone told her to get a lawyer because a lawyer with because with a lawyer they could reduce that time so he hired a criminal defense attorney and former judge mike carr they brought they brought stephen case to trial but she was unaware of florida's score sheet system which carr never explained to her possession of more than 20 grams of marijuana is considered a third degree felony in florida and is punishable with punishable by up to five years in prison, five years of supervised probation, and up to a, a fine of up to $5,000. A, a conviction will also result in the revocation of driving privileges for six months by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. Stephen's sentence resulted, in, resulted from the state sentencing guideline in which score sheets are a factor, state's attorney's office spokesman Samantha Soyan said. As for Stephen, he had a prior criminal history in Miami-Dade County involving the trafficking and selling of marijuana, as well as having marijuana grow houses. A defendant score sheet is composed of the sentence points based on the level of their offense, the range scale from one to 10. Legal status points are then assessed from any form of legal status exists at the time they committed the offense prior to the court sentencing. So what it, that is, is a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo that says they basically have a point system, which a lot of uh, the state systems do as well as the feds. And it's a guideline system. And it goes where like where the amount of drugs you have or the level of your offense goes onto one part of the chart. And then you just follow the other angle of the chart and then you arrive at where your your sentencing guidelines should be and it sounded like his here was like maybe two to five years uh, this is really an unfortunate situation you you got this guy steven who's driving down the highway he got 20 grams of weed he got he doesn't even have a half of a sandwich bag full of weed in the car so definitely a personal use situation um and he he gets pulled over, he gets arrested, he gets taken to jail, he has to bail out, he has to do all of these things, he has to go to court. People scare them into getting an attorney in this situation, which probably cost him an, another significant amount of money. I'm not really sure this was, this was like necessary to get an attorney and go all the way to the box on. I feel like we could have maybe figured something out beforehand. But listen, I don't know the details of the case, but what I do know is that it's such a small amount of, of cannabis this individual is going to spend the next few years in prison. He's going to be involved in the justice system, have probation, all these things based upon this. It's really sad that this continues to happen. This is in Florida. This is a legal state. You have jungle boys, you have cookie stores, you got all these 
these operators that are operating legally and unharassed in Florida, yet you still have people going into their state prison system. We've got to stop this dualism that we have going on here of where people get, are getting incarcerated right next to stores that are legally paying taxes to those same entities that are incarcerating people. This is Luke Scarmazzo at the Hyatt 9 News, Wednesday, your neighborhood outlaw correspondent, kicking it back to my guys and my lovely lady, Mandy, for what you guys got to say on this. Give me some feedback on this. This is a, this is a crazy story right here. This Oh, we in California, we finally, by initiative, made it a misdemeanor soaking wet. So this shit just doesn't get any traction because if it's a misdemeanor, the most you're looking at is some county jail time. Okay? That's how we fixed here because we just could not get the cops in California to stop. As long as it's a felony, they're going to stick it right up your ass. And that's what they do. They put a gun to your head and say, this is what you're going to get if you don't cop some kind of a plea. And if you're not willing to do that, they punish you heavily if you force them to take it to trial. And I know Luke and I went through the federal system and they have these these outrageous minimum mandatories. And when you're looking at, I mean, mine, uh, relatively speaking, was light. It was only 60 months. Mm -hmm. you know, the next level is 120 months. And you can do 85%. And for me, they charged me as being an organizer. You know, Luke, you understand these federal guidelines. If you're the organizer of some criminal enterprise, they're going to stack all kinds of time on you. Okay? It's just outrageous to see this going on. But there are places where it's worse than what it is here in Florida. This is just a bad example. You go to Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, you get caught with weed down there. <laughs> and it's not going to you know, work for you. One of the very first things that comes to mind is how the the wife is able to go back and hold this attorney accountable for information that wasn't shared with her. And also, did this attorney really give her the opportunity and understanding of just how catastrophic the outcome would potentially be? I, I, I can't believe that they pushed all the way for this. Like that's, that's just the, the, insane to me. The sad part is it's gonna cost her a whole bunch more money to do all that, Mandy. And her only real realistic recourse against this attorney probably will amount to nothing more than a Yelp review. No, well, Jay, they have a process to review that, like, what they call, call it is an IAC or ineffective assistance of counsel uh, mm -hmm. petition that's usually raised post-conviction in, in the federal system. You'd raise it on what's called a, a section 20. Hideous corpus is what you do. Hideous corpus, yeah. yeah. So they, yeah. They, there well, is some legal re, re, recourse. The bar is extremely high, though. But, well, um, that, that, that's my point. That, that, that's my point, Luke, is, is that is that even if she, if she does do that, she's going to have to hire a new attorney to represent her, which she may not yes. have the, the financial wherewithal to be able to, to, to handle. Yes, if she if she's not able to do it herself, which you know that's most people can't. Yeah, exactly. Americans aren't. Yeah, and it's not it's not extremely difficult, but it, it does take a little it's bit. It's very of training. cumbersome. Uh, it's very cumbersome, yeah. and you have to know what you're doing. Yes. Well, but when you're representing criminal defendants, it's on the attorney to make sure that your clients really understand and comprehend the steps they're going to be facing and what it's going to look like in each of those steps if you cop a plea or if you force this to go to trial. And I spend a lot of time trying to educate people. And, and sometimes it's very frustrating because they're fucking knuckleheads and don't want to listen. But you still have to put in writing to them these major steps so you can defend yourself. Because an ineffective assistance of counsel can get you in trouble with the bar. 
So the attorneys should be covering their ass by saying, we talked about this today. Um, this is your questions. These are my answers. And then protect yourself as you go forward. Because the studies have shown that people under stress don't remember shit you tell them. Mm -hmm. okay? That doesn't excuse bad lawyering, but you need to cover your ass and make sure your clients are educated. And the criminal law, 95 plus percent of these cases never go to trial. So you need to be talking and getting your clients ready for what's going to happen when you settle a case. And if you really want to fight all the way to trial, there are risks there. Make sure you understand that. There's a serious downside. I mean, Luke and I, um, when they close those doors behind you, look at it five to 10 years in prison. It's like, holy fuck, there ain't mm -hmm. nothing good about this now. How'd you get here? You yeah. should understand that. Without yeah, those guideline ranges. Um, so with with me, as Dale alluded to, like okay, you get you can get two points for a gun, you can get two points for a leadership, you mm -hmm. can get uh, four points for you know committing the offense while on probation. So my offense level was if you have any enhancements. A, yeah, exactly. My offense level is what's what they called a kingpin offense, right? So it started its base offense level started at the top of the chart. It was a level thirty eight. And then I got two points for leadership, two points for some other BS. And I was I was basically at the top. I was at a 42. This is for a legal cannabis dispensary. So the, those charts are real arbitrary. You don't get to like figure out like, okay, well, all the, we had all these mitigating circumstances. No, that's not how they work. They work really by the numbers, really with statistics. So it's where you are, your weight, the the statute and then it just lines up and that's what your 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 sentence is it's really unfortunate um i don't really see there being a lot of legal legal room on this case particularly like i said i don't really know all the details what the lawyer conversations were but listen i mean he went to trial and you got two and a half years that does suck but like when we go to when when you go to trial in the feds you get what's called a trial penalty and basically i was offered 10 years prior to going to the trial, I ended up getting 22 years in trial. So if you go to trial, the feds do not say, oh, okay, well, yep. you went to trial, but you still like were an all right guy. You were only selling medical marijuana. We're only going to give you a little bit of time. They go, okay, oh, you wanted to challenge us? You wanted to challenge us? We're hammering yep. you. We're throwing exactly. the book at They're you. going to throw the book at you. They're going to give you the maximum penalty that they possibly can and uh, not, not well, hold anything I, back. I got lucky, guys, because we got the hanging judge here in, in Sacramento, and they were talking about doing 20 to 30 years for Molly and I. It turns out his grandson was a client, and we got all the inside dirty scoop about the family, and the judge recused himself, thank mm. God. The one we got came out and told us, hey, you're not getting a day over five years, but I got to give you five years you're convicted. And so there was no penalty. We knew we we're not going to get a penalty. We made them try us, and they did. And we got 60 months. But that's the unusual case. You make them try the case, they are going to beat the shit out of you for doing that. It's going to be bad. Yes, and uh, we, I, we do want to thank Leah Patrick for her super chat out there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Leah. And uh, I'm going to roll right into this next story. I know you guys, um, I know you guys thought we were going to get out of here today without having a New York story. But, man, all I, we are, we, I have a New York story for you today. And this just proves everything that I'm always saying about the New York market to be 100% correct. And I wish Gretchen was here today to, 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 to hear this story because, man, I'll tell you what, 
I do not buy weed in these dispensaries in New York, these legal ones, because, man, watch this. A Leafly lawsuit challenges New York ban on third-party marijuana markets. Rule banning third-party advertising and marketing services in New York's fleeting adult-use marijuana market is being challenged in court. Oh, hold on a second, guys. My last comment is for tomorrow's story in regards with New York. So make sure you tune in tomorrow with that, because this is a whole other story about New York. My mistake. A rule banning third-party advertising and marketing services in New York's fleeting adult-use marijuana market is being challenged in court. Cannabis e-commerce platform Leafly Holdings is the principal in a lawsuit against New York's Office of Cannabis Management, the OCM in Albany County State Supreme Court, according to Spectrum News in Buffalo. The lawsuit also includes Stage 1 Dispensary in Rensselaer and marijuana consumer as plaintiffs, Leafly told MJ Biz Daily via an email. The suit claims that the OCM unfairly targeted so-called third-party platforms such as Leafly in adopting regulations that hamstring the industry and restrict retailers' ability to market and promote products. In a quote, small business owners who face significant limitations in their ability to reach cannabis consumers face additional unprecedented restrictions as a result of the new regulations, Leafly said in a statement sent to MJ Biz Daily. In an additional quote, we believe that everyone has the right to shop where they'd like and price compare accordingly. And those rights have been well established in a long line of court cases addressing co commercial speech that New York has chosen to ignore. Leafly describes itself as a leading customer acquisition tool for more than 7,800 brands and 4,600 retailers that utilize its services to connect with millions of consumers in the United States and Canada. Its website highlights more than 5,000 cannabis strains and features more than 11,000 cannabis stories and resources. The Seattle-based company earlier this year pivoted away from reporting on the marijuana industry and instead focused on providing consumer-orientated content such as product information and descriptions. The business shift came within a few weeks of Leafly laying off 40 employees or 21% of its workforce. The tentative date for New York regulators to enact the new adult use regulations is October 4th, but a compromise could be reached before litigation ramps up. Spectrum News reported, man, oh man, oh man, I feel like Weed Maps needs to jump on as a, as, a, as a partner in this lawsuit and just really take it to New York because they have just dropped the ball at every step of the way. And you guys are going to see even more of the ball of them dropping tomorrow with my story. But I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Free speech, mm -hmm. commercial free speech. Where's that line drawn? And they hamstring this industry for reasons that uh, are hard to understand when they're advertising alcohol everywhere. <clears throat> it's like, you, how, do, how do you put these in the same room together and not just shake your head and wonder? You know, this, this is just prejudicial opinions about a plant that's safer than alcohol. But here we are. You, it's like you can't, you can't use the tools that are out there for marketing. And it, it's very frustrating because this is clearly uh, stepping on people's free speech. But since it's commercial speech, it's got different rules to it. So I hope they do fight fight back against this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think also think too, um, if New York's market is super new, right? So when I know when our market was really new, Weed Maps was really clutch and like showing a lot of people where the dispensaries were. We didn't have a system back then to like really know where a lot of the stuff was. 
So, I mean, if new, the New York market is, I know it's a little different, but if it's similar in the inception and the infancy of it, like it was out here in California, I think those are clutch uh, platforms to be able to le for have leaf to have leafly be able to show where dispensaries and products and different things are. I think that's, I think all the entire industry in New York should be behind this, not just those two companies. I think it's beneficial for everybody. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Weedmass has the money. They should. They should join in. Join in the suit and, and and bring their resources to the table in regards to this because both companies stand to benefit tremendously from the outcome. And so, yeah, exactly, exactly. A man, 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 oh man, oh man. This New York boy, Leafly, man. I think I, I hope that they are ultimately successful with this case. I think New York definitely needs to be taught a lesson in regards to this, and you can't just censor things because you want to have it censored for whatever reason. But uh, that's just the way it is. As American, we live in a free country. But nonetheless, thank you all. Litigious for... free country. Exactly, Dale. Exactly. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience and everyone for tuning in daily on the regular and always engaging in the chat. And thank you for those super chats. We really appreciate it. A uh, huge thank you to all of our sponsors with the show. Uh, King Solomon Nutrients, highly educated. And, oh, yeah, make sure you check out our podcast. Thank you to all of our correspondents for spending the time today and being truly amazing and thank you to Cannabis Sativa L for giving a reason for us to do this every single day. And thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show.